Hi, I'm Jason Flom. Here on Righteous Convictions, I speak with some of today's most prominent and active agents of change, people who see the wrong in the world and are driven to make it right. As a public defender, our guest witnessed firsthand how over 95% of convictions occur through guilty pleas and how problematic that really is. The fact that 95% of convictions come from guilty pleas and that so many people plead within a day of their arrest, police know that. That they can do whatever they want, they can lie about it, and they will never be challenged in court because the system is designed to silence truth and insulate bad conduct. But also consider the system inside of court is no less violent. Founding the Brooklyn Bail Fund was just the start, and through his organization Zealous, he aims to bring about more just outcomes in our criminal legal system and around our country. Attorney and reform activist Scott Heckinger, right now on Righteous Convictions. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. If tonight's movie night is just what you need, make it special with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Welcome back to Righteous Convictions. This is the podcast where I have the privilege of interviewing some of my personal heroes and people who are making extraordinary changes to a world that badly needs them. And today I'm really excited because the person I'm about to introduce you to, I feel like it's almost like a reveal. He's a guy who is, I'm just going to embarrass him a little bit and say he's revered by people who I respect in the world of criminal legal reform. Scott Heckinger, welcome to Righteous Convictions. Thanks so much for having me on, Jason. Scott, you have done some extraordinary things, not just founding the Brooklyn Bail Fund, serving as a director of policy at Brooklyn Defender Services, and now zealous. We're going to talk about that. But from my vantage point, it seems to me you are the very model of what we all wish public defenders were like around this country. You're a guy who is tipping the scales of justice almost to the point where they're equal. They'll never be equal, let's face it. But tell me how this all started. When did you first realize that you were going to go into this line of work? Was it from the time you were a kid? Well, hold on a second. I can't just let you get away with introducing me like that and not push back and say, <laughs> I don't consider myself a model. And God, man, I, I need to introduce you to more public defenders because there are just countless extraordinary folks out there doing incredible things. But with that said, as I grew up in Washington, D.C., my grandfather was like my absolute hero. He was the first chairman of the D.C. City Council, Lyndon Johnson, appointed him. But I grew up hearing from him about how he really approached 
and kind of used his privilege as a white, relatively well-off man to help do what he could to make the world slightly better, slightly fairer. He desegregated the police force. That was like one of his like main issues that he championed during conversations around what to do about gun violence, as well as substance use in D.C., he was the voice of reason in the room, or at least among the voices of reason in the room, saying that we have to do something about this, but both guns and violence, as well as drugs, are public health issues. And if we criminalize this stuff, as they ultimately wound up doing, we're going to end up warehousing mostly black and brown people. And I remember being in his basement growing up, he had this wall, I call this his handshakes walls, is him with civil rights leaders marching on Washington. And so I grew up just revering this guy, Pop-Up, that's what I called him, uh, is John. And so I grew up thinking like, you know, I don't know what I want to do, but this, this concept of not giving back, but kind of giving forward was something that just like really struck me and ultimately went to law school after working post-college in public education in New York to similarly like put myself in a better position to help folks that were not as privileged as me, really the first day of law school realized that criminal justice was where I was going to go. I heard Brian Stevenson talk. I'm sure you're familiar with him. He was a professor at NYU where I went to law school. But he said two things. One, that criminal justice is a civil rights issue over time. And two, this statement that has become now like kind of a motto, everyone's better than the worst things that they ever did. And so right away, I was like, ah, criminal justice is the issue. And I'm tethering myself to that dude. And that was really it. These two folks in my life at very different periods, my, my grandfather and, and, and Brian, that really started feeding the fire, so to speak. And what were the steps that led you to start the Brooklyn Bail Fund? I mean, can you explain how it works? Yeah. The way that I got there was basically kind of outrage and frustration, um, starting off as a public defender in Brooklyn Defender Services. I came in hopelessly idealistic. You know, One person at a time, I'd be able to tilt the imbalance slightly fair inside of court. And found right off the bat that that just wasn't the case. I mean, I was in arraignments where we meet people for the first time soon after they've been arrested. And despite innocence, despite clear defenses, despite being stopped and frisked unconstitutionally, people overwhelmingly were pleading guilty on the first day of arraignments. But no one knew what the heck was going on at all because of the fear that bail would be set. And if bail would be set, that would mean that they would be held pretrial in the hell and torture of Rikers Island until they either waited six, seven, eight, nine months till their trial in the best case or pled guilty to go home. And so just day in and day out, seeing that kind of truth was being silenced, that justice was being determined not by merit, but based on wealth, and that the people who I was meeting were overwhelmingly black and brown. I started doing what a lot of public defenders do, which is curse to our colleagues. And so one of my supervisors, when I first started out and turned into a close colleague and friend, Josh Saunders, during one of these cursing sessions, I was just talking about how I felt like I wasn't doing anything. I was literally just helping people like through a guilty plea as they bristled at the questions, are you pleading guilty freely and voluntarily? And everyone knew it was false because they were being coerced into this and then being forced to admit they're guilty. I just felt like that can't be <laughs> what this is about. And he mentioned the fact that he was thinking about and kind of doing some early work to start up the Brooklyn Community Bail Fund. 
A bail fund is a fund that anyone can give money to and people are giving to them across the country that pays bail for people, and in most cases just for misdemeanors, to allow people to fight their cases from a position of freedom. Bail is supposed to be an incentive to come back to court not a punishment, but how it operates in reality is that people can't afford to pay. And so it operates to actually tear people from their families and drive case outcomes. Bail was created, as I understand it, as a means to make sure that people weren't going to run away in a time when you could run away and disappear. Now no one can disappear. And people, by definition, that can't post bail don't have the money to just decide, oh, I'm just going to go to Mexico or Canada. Like, they're not going anywhere, and they have phones, and they're easily trackable, and they show up. So, so first of all, you're totally right. The people that, that public defenders represent, I'll just speak, you know, from New York City, have barely left the borough of Brooklyn, you know, where I practiced, let alone the city, let alone the state of New York. Yet, you know, our system is based in part on, on, on this assumption that, like, you know, people are going to flee. It's just one of many ridiculous myths that are put out to perpetuate the current status quo. So the innovation of a bail fund is that the fund is able to pay for people to fight their cases like anyone with even meager means would be able to. The other real innovation of it is that it proves the point that bail is unnecessary to ensure return to court. Because since the bail fund was was created, and I, I co-founded alongside of Josh Saunders, my colleague, another public defender, we were able to prove that 95% of the time, even when folks had no skin in the game, they came back to court. 95% of the time, judges were actually wrong that bail had been required. And so that was a statistic that was also extremely helpful recently in helping to overhaul the New York bail system. The more you learn about this, the more outrageous you realize it is. As my friend Alec Karakatsanis, another one of my heroes, what he has proven in court after court and case after case is that money bail is a violation of the Sixth and the Fourteenth Amendments, right? It's neither equal protection nor due process when two people who are charged with the exact same offense get treated exactly opposite in terms of the way they're processed, right? One goes home and the other one goes to a hellhole like Rikers Island. And there is no other way to describe that place. And jails are inherently more dangerous, even worse torture chambers than the prisons in our country. You know, people use jail and prison interchangeably all too often. Jail is where predominantly people who have not been yet convicted of any crime are caged, again, separated from their families, are subject to horrific violence and abuse, are put into solitary confinement like Khalif Browder was. But again, people are like, well, okay, if you did the crime, you know, you should do the time. First of all, again, for the vast majority of people in jails, they haven't been convicted. But regardless of whether you're in jail or prison, it's actually what people are calling criminogenic meaning that people coming in are inevitably worse off than when they came out in a range of ways, including their likelihood of either being rearrested, reoffending, and potentially harming others. And so we are attuned to think about the system that we have. You know, 2.3 million people incarcerated, millions more under supervision, 500,000 people detained in jails pretrial. That's more than everyone incarcerated in the more than a billion population in India. Wow, we have more people in jail in America that haven't been convicted of a crime than all the people in prisons in the most populous country in the world. I think it's the most populous, it's either that or China. We are attuned to think that that's a great solution, but it's actually a contributor to the problems that we're actually trying to solve. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? 
Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. I want to turn to your latest and maybe greatest project, right? Which, of course, I'm referring to Zealous. So after that frustration that I mentioned and starting up the Brooklyn Community Bail Fund, I just started thinking more and more about how as public defenders, we're fighting every day inside of court. We are seeing these brutal injustices and how all these laws and practices intersect to devastate the people and communities who we serve. But we're not speaking out. Uh, Meanwhile, prosecutors and police are just talking their asses off, spewing whatever they want to spew. People should be aware that the media is always going to take that one outlier, right? That one person that commits a violent act and make a big splash out of that because that's what newspapers do. But they don't talk about it. The thousands of people who went home to their families, who continued in their, in their jobs, went to their schools, churches, whatever they go to, attended their kids' Little League games, whatever they do in their daily life, and then, you know, didn't go on to commit any new offenses, and there really was no issue. And we don't even know if they were guilty of the first crime in the first place. That's the whole thing about it. You know, traditional media will contact us in those outlier cases for comment, and we're attuned to saying, no comment, right? We are therefore ceding the narrative to procarceral forces. We're not on social media. We're kind of fighting using these 18th century tools, you know, oral advocacy, written advocacy in a environment where judges and prosecutors know about the worst things our clients have ever been accused of doing through their criminal records. And so it started thinking about what if public defenders could share and leverage our perspective and expertise outside of court in partnership with the people and communities we represent using a wide variety of new advocacy tools and storytelling tools and work with community organizations. Like what would that look like? And the hypothesis, the thesis was, well, it would look like at the very least more powerful, more informed partnership and advocacy and collaboration. And we saw enormous success with these models in New York. You know, as an office at Brooklyn Defender Services, instead of being reactive to press, identifying systemic issues no one was talking about and pitching them to major outlets like the New York Times. We pitched a story about how young single mothers were being arrested for endangering the welfare of their children, for leaving their kids alone for like minutes to run quick errands because they didn't have enough money for childcare. And that changed the practice. Or we started sharing more information through videos about issues like discovery, this really boring sounding word, but it really means that in New York, prosecutors were entitled to withhold evidence until the day of trial. And so, again, public defenders telling their stories alongside people who were on the receiving end of of these policies had enormous impact. And then getting engaged on social media in a way that's both ethical and effective to shift these narratives. And it's part of this movement, right? It wasn't public defenders doing this alone. It was literally taking the lead of 
organizers and communities who have been doing this work for decades, we were able collectively to pass bail reform and to completely overhaul our discovery laws in 2019. After that happened, we were increasingly getting calls from defenders around the country that was like, what the hell are you guys doing over there? Are we allowed to do this? Are we like, are we, should we be doing this? And, and our answer was, was yes. And you need to be careful. You can't just like, you know, just go willy nilly. And so we got some initial nice seed funding. It started with having 55 defenders from 42 different offices in 27 different states. We flew into Brooklyn for an intensive, immersive training around these skills that we didn't learn in law school. We certainly didn't learn when we were training to be public defenders. Things like, Advocacy storytelling outside of court, using social media, connecting and working collaboratively with community organizations, using language that doesn't inadvertently further entrench the status quo, like saying my client even, like defenders tend to do, has a kind of a possessive dehumanizing quality to it. We have this opportunity right now around bail, if we're talking just about bail, but this really relates to all issues, to shift the narrative. And that narrative shifting and, and kind of meeting people where they're at is drawn in people who, you know, care about the human rights aspect, libertarians who care about the civil liberties aspect and purport to care about the Constitution, at least, and fiscal conservatives that are just, you know, blown away by the fact that, for example, at Rikers Island, it's over $900 per day to incarcerate a single person. And $900 a day, that's more for context than it costs to stay at the Four Seasons in New York on 57th Street, right? I mean, that's insane. And so what we're seeing is wins for fairness across the country. In Illinois, the Pretrial Fairness Act against all the odds just passed, which ended cash bail in Illinois and kind of overhauled the pretrial justice process. We just saw a massive win in the courts. You mentioned Alec and his organization, Civil Rights Corps, brought in extraordinary litigation. The Supreme Court of California ruled unanimously that jailing someone, caging someone on bail that they can't afford is unconstitutional. And I guess I want to just stop there for a second and point out the fact that it took years of litigation and effort for Supreme Court in California to rule what is so obvious. If you just read the language of the Eighth Amendment, it prohibits excessive bail. And what could possibly be more excessive than bail that is unpayable, that is unaffordable? That just gives you a sense of how much of an uphill battle we're fighting. And last but not least, what we're seeing, you know, in places like New York, unfortunately, is one step forward with a number of steps backwards. So back in 2019, passed modest bail reform, which ended cash bail for the majority of misdemeanors and nonviolent felonies and kept bail for violent felonies. And for months, police and prosecutors and the mayor of New York and white supremacists just started this massive fear-mongering campaign before the bail law even was enacted in January of 2020. And Governor Cuomo, just weeks after this new bail law went into effect, caved to that pressure to roll back bail reform. And what we saw was, as we expected, thousands of more people are jailed now than when bail reform first went into effect. And so what we're seeing is movements forward, a lot farther to go, and a desperate need for the people in states and cities that are taking action around bail reform and other issues to have patience for change, to see this fear mongering for what it is, which is 
the same thing that led us into this insane mess in the first place, which is, you know, fear to perpetuate the status quo and just kind of ignore it and push back and give change a chance. Because I think we'll find that we pay a lot less, public safety is going to be helped more, and we're going to be a healthier society as a whole. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com. I don't want to say it was ever great, but, you know, we had a much more sane system even 40 years ago, right? There was a time in America, a short time ago, when we had less than one-seventh as many people in prison that we do now. We had 300,000 in prison nationally. I think that's still too many by a lot, but now we have 2.3 million. Am I wrong, Scott? I'd push back a little bit and say that it was like, well, and agree with you, it was never good. Our modern police started out as slave patrols. It's always been racist. It's always been unfair. It's always favored, you know, rich and wealthy over people who are underprivileged. It's always been too vast. It's just way more insane and way larger now than ever before. And the work that we do is really focused on full on transformation of the system. You know, we're working with the coalition in, in California to end sentencing enhancements, like gang and gun enhancements that, like everything, cost a fortune, don't deter crime, and have an overwhelming effect on people of color. We're working to push back against narratives around violence in Chicago and our appropriate responses to it, decarceration in Prince George's County, solitary confinement in Michigan. What we found, though, when we come into these jurisdictions and we're invited in, is that there's a lot of amazing work. We are at this incredible point right now, and so many people are involved, but people are operating in silos. Even people involved in this work, so whether you're you know, community organizations, defenders already engaged, artists, activists, people with direct experience, Everyone's doing a lot of stuff, but there isn't enough coordination and strategy. And so we're calling this like collaborative advocacy hub. So every place that we're working, we're trying to bring together and kind of do co-advocacy and come up with strategies with these different groups, different types of practitioners, people with different experiences, and try to kind of create a cohesive 
strategy. I'm sure a lot of people are sitting listening to us now and saying, what can I do about this? Yes, donate to the bail fund with the understanding that it's a you know, an urgent intervention. Um, it's a Band-Aid, though, and it's not an ultimate solution. But it works toward that ultimate solution. Number two, just in general, have patience for change. Don't buy the BS hype that the media enables the prosecutors and police to peddle around changes and reforms. They're literally invested in the perpetuation of this insane system. If you are directly impacted yourself, also consider not only getting involved to support the efforts, but also to share your story, because there is nothing as powerful as firsthand accounts, kind of devoid of, of, of advocacy bent, um, but just like sharing the realities of whatever you have gone through to be able to push the conversation forward and, and shift the narrative away from, as you mentioned, these ridiculous outlier cases that drive all of criminal justice policy, but wind up having an impact on the millions of others that are non-exceptional. One of the other things that we've seen is that everyone has a skill that can be brought to bear to make the system fairer, to push back against the status quo. I mean, we've been working with you talk about storytelling, just a range of different types of artists, from storytellers to visual artists to photographers to videographers to spoken word poets to famous people, technologists, people with coding experience. But let's say you don't have any of this experience and you don't know how you might be able to, to engage beyond signing a petition, which has its value, or calling your state legislator. Contact the localist of local organizations. Consider contacting your public defender office for advice on places that you can plug into. But ask. Well, people can reach you on Twitter, right? And they should follow you on Twitter. Uh, your Twitter handle is what? Scott, S-C-O-T-T-H-E-C-H. -E Scott Heck. So we'll have Zealous and Scott's Twitter handle linked in our bio, of course. So please go there, click on it, learn more, and get involved. Now, my favorite question, basically in every episode is this one. So if you had a magic wand and could change one thing, small or large, what would it be? <laughs> God. Is everything an option? Um, you mentioned the momentum that we have right now. A lot of the focus right now, rightfully so, and thank goodness, is on the police the visible violence that's happening every day that's more visible than ever because of iPhone footage. But if I could have one wish, it would be that people understood and realized and saw that invisible violence, no less deadly, no less traumatic emotionally and physically, is happening every day in courts and jails and prisons. And they're inextricably linked. It's just separated a bit by legalese and a lot by jail bars and, and, and walls. You know, so these, these issues that we talk about, you know, bail, jail and prison conditions, things like mandatory minimum sentences that coerce guilty pleas, probation and parole, uh, fines and fees, these kind of the everyday churn of the system winds up exacting enormous harm on people and communities. What it also does is silence truth and further insulate bad police misconduct, which only further incentivizes it. The fact that 95% of convictions come from guilty pleas, and that so many people plead within a day of their arrest, police know that. 
They know that they can do whatever they want. They can lie about it and they will never be challenged in court because the system is designed to silence truth and suppress and insulate bad conduct. So I'll stop right there, but, but just saying what you are seeing, if you think that's bad, first of all, consider all the stuff that isn't caught on video outside, but also consider the fact that the system inside of court is no less violent. Ensure to make that part of you know, your thought process and thinking about what needs to change. It's defunding the police and it's defunding and abolishing and transforming the current legal system. Thank you for listening to Righteous Convictions. I'd like to thank our production team, Connor Hall, Jeff Clyburn, and Kevin Wardis. The music in this production was supplied by three-time Oscar-nominated composer Jay Ralph. Follow us on Instagram at Wrongful Conviction, on Twitter at Wrong Conviction, and on Facebook at Wrongful Conviction Podcast. Righteous Convictions is a production of Lava for Good Podcast in association with Signal Company Number no. 1. deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. If tonight's movie night is just what you need, make it special with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world.